are so good to us. Help us to find our rest and our peace in you today. Lord, I know that many people come into this place uh, with, with burdens upon their hearts, troubles in their lives. And we come here, Lord, because you're present. Because you're present through the ministry of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit to touch us where we are. And Lord, I pray that, that we would be a, a congregation, a people that, that truly function as, as a unified family. And that when we face hardships and difficulties in life, that we would lean into each other. And that we would find the rest and the peace of Jesus in each other. Because Lord, you have, have filled us with your Holy Spirit so that we could minister to one another. It's a part of discipleship. And Lord, that we would find the healing that we need here from you today. That we would be able to go in boldness, to live as your disciples, wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we uh, play. So Lord Jesus, we invite your presence here right now. Come and speak to us. Come and fill us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we read together God's word? Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13 is our reading today. Mark 6, beginning with verse 1. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And Jesus could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick, sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Here ends the reading of our gospel lesson. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The sermon title today is Expectations of Discipleship. Expectations of Discipleship. Nobody wants to get involved in something without knowing what's expected of them. No one here would start a job and, and not understand what the expectations are for you to perform at that job, right? 
Expectations. You might have heard of Sir Ernest Shackleton's newspaper ad. Now, Sir Ernest Shackleton was the famous Arctic explorer, and he took men into the Arctic on dangerous journeys, the first men to explore lands that people probably had never seen before. And you might have heard of his newspaper ad. And by the way, there's no proof that this actually was published. But this is what it supposedly said. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, and recognition in case of success. That truly does communicate the expectations of joining Sir Ernest Shackleton on his Arctic journey. No one wants to get involved in something without first knowing what's expected of them. And this ad, whether it's real or not, certainly does communicate clearly what the expectation of Arctic travel and Arctic exploration are all about. So the question I have for you today is this, what are the expectations of discipleship? What are the expectations of discipleship? Well, first of all, I think that we just need to say it. First of all, you are a disciple. And I'll be coming to these later, Ian. First of all, you are a disciple. You are a disciple. And uh, that is what you're called to as a Christian, one who has been baptized and one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're called into this thing called discipleship or of living as a disciple. First of all, being a disciple is not an elite group. Being a disciple isn't a group of elite Christians. It's not a group of super Christians or of theological brainiacs made up of only those who know their Bible forward and backwards. But disciples are ordinary people, an ordinary group of uh, men, women, teenagers, and kids, people just like you. And if you study the life of the 12 disciples in the New Testament, you'll see that they're very ordinary people. The disciples were chosen by Jesus just as they were, just as they were. And Jesus chose me, and he chose you as his disciple, just as you are. He's not looking for somebody who's a super Christian or has all of this amazing theological knowledge. But as a disciple, he's given you a new nature. When you came to believe in Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit drew you into the family of God, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave you a new nature. He filled you with his Holy Spirit so that you would have everything that you need to live as a disciple. Not perfectly, not that you've got everything together in your life. Not that you've already attained a certain level of spirituality or been made perfect. But pressing on in his strength and in his grace. And when that happens, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, living as a disciple of his, the Holy Spirit begins to give you the nature of Christ. You begin to think like Jesus. to believe like Jesus. Uh, you begin to act like Jesus. And you begin to even feel like Jesus. 
how did Jesus feel? Jesus had compassion. Compassion for those who were lost, right? So this new nature that we've been given by the Holy Spirit causes us to to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus, and to feel like Jesus, not perfectly. Each and every one of you are a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. But yet we've taken on this new nature, and we follow the commands of Jesus. And what was the command of Jesus for his disciples? His command was this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And then he says, and behold, I am with you always. He's with you always, even to the end of the age. So to be a disciple is to accept is to accept in mind and in life, in other words, in our, in our minds, the way we think and in the way we live, the views and the practices of the master or of the teacher. So that's what it means to be a disciple. And you are a disciple. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not perfect, nor did the disciples follow perfectly. Even the disciples messed up. You read the Gospels, you read Paul's letter to the Galatians, Peter messed up. You read Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 7, Paul confessed his own weakness, his own sinfulness. You are a disciple, just as you are. And he's gracious to begin this work and to continue this work in your heart so that you begin to reflect Jesus. And the way you think, and the way you act, and even in the way you feel. The way you feel towards God and towards others and towards a lost world. You are a disciple. Still learning, still growing. You'll never be made perfect in this age. Don't believe for a second that you need to live up to a certain standard to be a disciple. I think many people are afraid to come to church because of their sinfulness, because they struggle with sin and with, and with the weakness of their flesh. And they think that they're not worthy to be in a place that consists of disciples. It's true, none of us are worthy. But it's by grace that we've been called. We stand as disciples not because of our own righteousness, not because of our own goodness, but because of the grace that Jesus gives to all. So what should we expect in our lives as disciples? A number of different things from our text today. Ian, you can now put those up on the screen. Number one, uh, expectations of discipleship, number one is to live on mission, is to live on mission. Uh, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. Notice they didn't go by themselves. There's this thing called the church. We're not in this alone. We're in this together. We're to be interdependent upon each other. And he called uh, the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And then in Mark 6.12, that was 6.7, this is 6.12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. That was their message, to go out and preach the gospel so that people would turn from the worthlessness of sin into the life of Jesus. 
So that's the expectation, is that we would be living on mission. Wherever you work, your vocation, your family, within your church, within your neighborhood, to be living on mission. Not just to go on a mission trip, not just to go once a year to Mexico or to go once a year to, a, to another place, not just to make mission uh, a one-time thing a year, but to, to make mission your lifestyle, that you live daily as a disciple of Jesus Christ, shining the light of Christ wherever you go. Does that mean that every day you're going to have an opportunity to proclaim the good news to people? No. But every day you have an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. As you think like Jesus, as you act like Jesus, and as you even feel like Jesus. You know, most of the witnessing that I do, I don't have an opportunity to explain the entire gospel to people. But every time I, I, I meet with somebody, I have an opportunity to show the love of Jesus uh, to somebody. By simply being a friend, by being a good neighbor. So we have opportunities here at Maple Park to live on mission. To live on mission. You live your mission in your neighborhood, in your in your jobs, your vocations, wherever it is that you go throughout the day, within your families, you live on mission. But we also have an opportunity as a congregation together to live on mission, to, to join together as a team of disciples, a team of disciples to reach our community. And one such thing is National Night Out, which is coming August 3rd. This gives us an opportunity. And our goal at National Night Out this year, we put together a mission statement, and our goal this year at National Night Out isn't to, isn't to preach at people, but rather that people would see the love of Jesus in us when they come into our parking lot. So we invite you to participate in that mission with us. number of people here, a lot of people are on vacation because it's the 4th of July. I think Karen is here. Karen, would you raise your hand? She's on our team. She's also our church receptionist and, and secretary. She can answer questions. Noel is here. He's on our team planning. You can talk to Noel. Is anybody else on our team that I can't see? Oh, Paul is here too. He's also on our team, and there are other people too. You can talk to them. There's also sign-up sheets. So this is an opportunity for us to simply put together an event where people can come into our parking lot and we pray that through this event, people will see the love of Jesus in us. And maybe through building relationships, we will then have opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with them. Uh, another one is, uh, is through this uh, apartment complex. A team of people recently uh, uh, visited an apartment complex uh, where there are a lot of people who have some struggles in their lives. And we've met with the community organizer of the apartment complex, and she has been praying that she can partner with a church. And we had the opportunity to meet with this lady at Somerset Village Apartments. And uh, we are planning to go there and to be a blessing to those people, to help kids maybe with homework or to do some fun things with them. And I know there are a number of ladies here that, that went with me the other day to Somerset Village, and they planned that trip. I think Joyce is right over there. Uh, Cindy, who else went to Somerset Village the other day on the first? All right, two of the people. Uh, we went there and we actually held hands together in that community and we prayed. And we prayed. 
We've, first of all, we just prayed for one of the ladies who lives there because she's recently experienced some loss. And uh, we just pray God's blessing over that community and an opportunity to get involved there so that we can shine the light of Jesus. And maybe through that, we'll be given an opportunity to share the hope that's within us. So we can live on mission every day. Every day we're given opportunity, where we work, where we live, our family. But we can also join together as a team, as a congregation, to, to go on mission together within this community. So our expectation of, of discipleship is, number one, to live on mission, to live on mission. But number two, we just need to be real here. Number two is to anticipate rejection. To anticipate rejection. Mark 6, 3 through 6 they said, is, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Listen to this, and they took offense at Jesus. Jesus was perfect in every way. If they took offense at him, they're certainly going to take offense at us, too. So we can't have this expectation that everybody's going to like us, and everybody's going to receive us. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he, could not, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Then in Mark 6, 11, and if any place will not receive you, Jesus is just giving you this expectation. They're not going to receive you all the time. Then he says, if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So anticipate rejection. I don't know about you, but it hurts when people reject me. I'm the, the type of, I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to love me. I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to receive me. I want everybody to like what I have to say. But that's not life. That's not reality. So we should have that expectation as disciples of Jesus that we'll be rejected because we are disciples of Jesus. And then number three, to expect provision. To expect provision. That he is the God who provides for us. Mark 6, 8 through 10. And he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. Expect provision. Jesus sent his disciples on their first mission really without anything except the very bare necessities of what they needed to live. And he was basically teaching them that you can expect your father to provide for you. You can expect God to provide for you. And that's so true of, of us today, is that we should live on mission, we should live you know, anticipating rejection, and then we should also live expecting provision, that everything that we need in our lives as disciples and as a congregation living together on mission, that we should expect 
him to provide all that's needed. That's what it means to live by faith, is to believe that he is able to provide more, more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the disciples, they were to live day by day, trusting in God's provision for their every need. And you too can trust, you can trust in the Lord to provide for your every need today. What is your need today? You say, Pastor, I I don't really have very many needs. I really have all that that I could ever imagine. And we, we thank the Lord for that. But but you may have a need, and it may not be a material need, it may be something much deeper than a material need. Maybe there's something going on in your life, within your family, it's a difficulty, it's complex, and it's beyond your ability to, uh, to take care of it on your own. There may be something happening within your workplace or in your body. There may be a sin can't overcome it. It's just a a nagging sin that won't go away. And if you struggle with sin, let me tell you this. If you struggle with a sin that won't go away, let me tell you this. Welcome to the club. (laughs) We all struggle. We all struggle with those nagging sins that won't go away. But Jesus, Jesus is more than able to provide for you. For each and every one of you sitting here, he's present today. He's with us. He's in the sanctuary, ready to provide for you, whatever your need is, whatever the difficulty is. But you know, the greatest provision given by God to us is this gift of trusting in Jesus, this gift of repentance. You know, the disciples were called to go out and proclaim repentance. That's because repentance is the greatest gift, to turn from that which is worthless, that which is a dead end, to be turned by the Holy Spirit, to trust in Jesus who gives life and who promises to never leave us nor forsake us. So today God is providing for you this gift, this gift to repent. He says, I love you. Turn once again to me. Trust in me. Be embraced by me. Find life and freedom and a purpose. A mission from me. So would you bow your heads with me today in prayer? As we turn once again to Jesus. Lord Jesus, you have called us into uh, a life of discipleship. And in the same way, men were called to join Sir Ernest Shackleton on a perilous journey, no guarantee of return. Lord, you also have called us into a life of discipleship. And Lord, uh, discipleship can be dangerous because it involves rejection. So fill us with your Holy Spirit that we would be bold even in the face of rejection. And Lord, fill us with faith that you provide everything that is needed for us every single day. I pray for this church. I pray for the people who are gathered with us, whether they're gathered with us here in the sanctuary or online or they're listening at some point in the future. Provide for them, Lord. Turn us, Lord Jesus, by your grace from the dead end of living without you to the life and the joy of living in and through you. 
Give us this, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.